Hello and welcome to this week's episode of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan, how are you? Well, I'm trying to come down after watching that uh, nomination speech tonight. We were recording this very late on Thursday yes. night. Uh, we, we didn't have a chance to record. We wanted to make sure we caught the Republican National Convention final speeches tonight. So it's it's almost uh, Friday, your time, because uh, Mr. Trump went, gosh, almost an hour and a half. Correct. And right about the time I was trying to research where this fit in a sort of historical context as far as speech length, I think Alan Cross retweeted a reporter that said it had surpassed the longest one since, like, I guess they've been tracking length since 1972. And um, since 1972, it was the longest acceptance speech. Bill Clinton had uh, had one that was 64 minutes and 44 seconds. 92 and or 96? In 96, okay. we uh, we surpassed that tonight. So and then some. Yeah, we and then Ke- some. where was Craig Colbert when you need him, right? That's the truth. We needed someone to go and tap him on the shoulder. So. <laughs> little Southern Baptist inside yes, humor there. Yes, very inside humor there. All right, well, this week's podcast is sponsored by Southeastern Seminary's new ghost certificates. Ghost certificates are specifically designed to equip leaders in the church with valuable training for all people at any level of experience. This program provides sound teaching with practical application in an efficient format that can begin at any time and will fit even the busiest schedule. Southeastern wants to prepare all church members to grow in their knowledge of Scripture and to live out the Great Commission wherever they are. Start today and go with Southeastern. For more information, visit sebts.edu slash ghost certificates. That's all one word. It's sebts.edu slash ghost certificates. All right, Amy, we're going to jump into the news. Quite a busy week. We had a few little pieces of news, and then at the end of the week, it kind of kind of all hit. And then uh, we're also going to talk, uh, since this week is the Republican National Convention, next week the Democratic National Convention, uh, we are going to talk uh, 10 points of interest for Southern Baptist based on the RNC platform, not the actual events of the week, but uh, the actual platform that they put forth this week. Uh, been called, Amy, as the most conservative Republican platform possibly ever. So we'll, we'll get to that after the news here. But big news to start off the week, Denny Burke named the president of CBMW. Yes, uh, that we talked just last week. That's the Council of Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. And uh, we just talked last week about Owen Strand uh, stepping aside from that. As we said, he had uh, moved to Midwestern Seminary on faculty there and had only recently been named director of their center uh, for public theology. And so uh, just with everything going on, he stepped down from being president of CBMW, and so they had said a new president would be forthcoming, and that announcement was this week. Denny Burke, uh, who teaches New Testament uh, at Southern Seminary and Boyce College, we have uh, known Denny for a very long time, back when we were all uh, students together, and he's written and I think edited the journal for uh, CBMW for a while, and so been very involved in this, and uh, has done a lot of scholarship on issues of uh, gender identity, things like that. So this is not uh, not a, a hugely surprising. But uh, shortly after that announcement came out, he followed up with uh, a kind of a, a written 
vision of uh, what what he has in mind for the future of CBMW. Just some thoughts, and so we're we'll share a link to that, and it'll be interesting to see uh, what what the days ahead look like. Yeah, the CBMW has really grown in the past few years under the leadership of Owen Strand. Uh, they had started having national conferences, uh, mostly in in tandem with other uh, like-minded conferences, right. uh, mostly with uh, the T4G conferences that are held in Louisville, kind of in the quote-unquote backyard of uh, where the CBMW really is is based there in uh, Southern Seminary. And so Denny, like you said, not a stranger to CBMW. He was actually who I kind of figured would be the next president uh, when I heard that Owen was leaving, and uh, I got that one right. Woohoo! So mark that well one done. down. Jonathan got that one right. I think I texted you that even and said, I bet it's going to be Denny Burke. And sure enough, it's yes. Denny Burke. So congratulations to Denny. I've known Denny for a few years, uh, not quite as long as you have, but uh, I always enjoy spending time with him. And it'll be exciting to see what he does at the CBMW here in the future. All right, moving on to our next news item of the week. Uh, Amy, over in your neck of the woods here on Thursday, a decision was made that the NBA was going to move its All-Star game next year in 2017 in response to House Bill 2. Yeah, I, this isn't a huge surprise. I mean, there there have been all kinds of industries that have talked about moving events and, and things out of our state as this conversation continues over uh, that uh, for some who may not have been tracking that's what's kind of known as the bathroom bill and North Carolina has been at the center of that. So not totally shocked um, about that. You know, I think it'll just remain to be seen how this whole thing plays out, how governor McCrory, how he handles things like this. They've said if things go in their favor, they might bring it back future times. But you know, this is just one of those discussions. It's probably, we're going to go back and forth between different interest groups and our state. Uh, but we've had a lot of evangelicals and a lot of Southern Baptists uh, involved in this uh, speaking out about it. And I, I don't think it's going to go away, but it's just a new layer to that story. Yeah, and I think that's also uh, this issue particularly, maybe not you know the all-star game, but the, the LGBT and transgender issues, uh, especially these bathroom issues with transgender bathrooms. Uh, that is something that I think we're going to see a lot about next week at the DNC uh, meeting in Philadelphia. We will hear more about that than we did this past week in the RNC. And the RNC kind of addressed it a little bit in their platform. We'll talk about that later uh, in the show. But uh, I think that's that's something that, you know, regardless of who the next president is in the United States, that issue is going to be uh, one of those hot-button issues here in the future. We're already seeing businesses uh, make decisions over legislation about that. So uh, something definitely to follow in the near future. Moving to Western North Carolina this past week, Lifeway hosted its annual Black Church Conference over at Ridgecrest uh, Camp and Conference Center. It was a gathering of more than 800 pastors and laypersons uh, who attended over at Ridgecrest. So a great crowd there. Fred Luter was one of a few pastors to address the crowd at uh, Ridgecrest. Uh, joining him speaking at the event was Anthony Dockery and Jeffrey Guns. They also held the Black Southern Baptist Denominational Servants Network meeting uh, there while at Black Church Week. And Charles Grant, the Lifeway Church consultant, uh, was elected as 
president and Port Wilburn, a interim director of missions for the San Francisco Peninsula Baptist Association, was elected vice president and Ira Antoine Jr., the director of bivocation ministry with the BGCT, was elected treasurer and Diana Chandler, the general assignment writer, editor of Baptist Press, was named the secretary. Uh, and this is, a, like we mentioned, this is an annual event and the 2017 event, uh, if you're interested in attending, that is going to be next July 17th through the 21st again at Ridgecrest. One of the biggest events we host at Ridgecrest. Uh, I know we are always excited to host uh, this event every year. It's It seems, uh, I know I had some friends that covered it one year for Lifeway News and they just, you know, raved about what a what a great time of worship and encouragement and education it is. So um, just a, a great story coming out of that. I encourage you to check that out. Yeah, I've heard great things about that conference uh, as well. So Definitely check out that Baptist Press story. And speaking of conferences from Lifeway, Lifeway will be offering a new summer event for Lifeway students uh, focusing specifically on urban ministry called Infusion Events. So the Infusion Events, it's kind of joining World Changers and Power Plant and other other summer opportunities. These will be focused on urban uh, events. They will start in 2017. They're going to be week-long events in three cities in Atlanta, Memphis, and Philadelphia. Uh, you can check out those and more information of, at the link we have at the story or infusionmissions.com. So that's a new uh, urban ministry initiative from Lifeway students, uh, kind of in that, that power plant and world changers. Uh, that's great. Um, so uh, exciting to see that. And we host a Urban Ministry Conference a couple of years ago for students. Uh, they got a lot of uh, attention and uh, some good response on that. So I think that was kind of the, the genesis of this week-long camp. So uh, doing more urban ministry work at Lifeway uh, and so a good experience for students as well. Fantastic. All right, Amy, um, this next note, last week you had a, a feature story. This week you have another feature story, uh, and this one is in Baptist Press. And you have one too. Well, it's it's. I just kind of ride your coattails. <laughs> oh goodness! Yeah, we were excited. Baptist Press uh, decided to just do a little little piece last Friday on uh, the podcast and uh, talk about what we're doing here. They uh, said we give a fuller picture of uh, the SBC. So I hope that is. Uh, yes, is, some would say we are full of something. Yes, uh, more than some would yes. say that. So. It was neat to to see that, and hopefully, maybe more people will will know about it, and uh, you know, want to talk about Southern Baptist issues and stay engaged in the process beyond just the two days uh, that we are always sort of plugged in every year. And what this continues to show both you and I is that there are a lot more people out there who who track yes. this stuff than than just us. I mean, we we thought this was a small tribe. At the beginning, right. but and now we have several hundred listeners every week, and you know, closing in on a thousand listeners every week, and, and that you know, we can't say thank you enough. Uh, we appreciate everybody who's uh, downloading the show. For those of you who saw the article last week and, and checking out the show, maybe the first or second time, we appreciate you coming by and, and checking it out. So, uh, be sure to sign up for the data point over at sbcthisweek.com as well. Uh, join us with that, and um. And again, thanks for listening. You know, check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, give us a rating or review on iTunes and Google Play. Yep, definitely. All right, so what's been the big story of the week, though? I guess you're talking about the Republican National Convention then. Yes. Uh, so as you said, we 
we want to talk about this a little bit, and we will talk about the Democratic National Convention next week and uh, just the things that maybe could be points of interest uh, for us to track there as well. So hey, you know I don't what? know. If we would yes. have thought this through, we, could have, we should have gotten press credentials for this and sent Lizette Beard as a correspondent to both of these. We should have. That would have been great. She could have done little, you know, quick hits every day on the website. Four years from now. Yes, that's, we'll that's think what of we'll that. do. We'll have a crowdfunding fundraiser for that or something. Yes. So I don't know about you, Jonathan, but um, I actually very much enjoy watching the national conventions every four years. I'm the same. Yeah, I watch both of them. And I can remember uh, 1984 watching at my grandparents' house uh, PBS coverage with Jim Lehrer and his team and um, the, the balloons coming down and watching roll call votes happen. And so here we are in 2016. But I would say probably more than, uh, than normal watched this one just because of so much hype around it. So, um, so I think it's something that is of interest to our listeners, even though it wasn't necessarily an official Southern Baptist event. We did have some Southern Baptists uh, involved, Tony Perkins. Uh, from Louisiana, who is also the um, leads the Family Research Council. He served on the platform committee. Yes, a family friend as well. Yes, yeah, of you, of yours, of yes, yours. Yes, yeah. So. Uh, we we went to church with him when I was growing up. So, very him nice. And his wife, uh, very well. Yeah, and uh, and then obviously Ted Cruz is a, a Southern Baptist a member yeah. of First Baptist First, Houston. First Baptist Houston. Yep. So he spoke. On Wednesday night, yes, I, I missed that. I was at a concert here in town, so yeah, I'm, I did miss Wednesday night. I'm, I'm sure you heard about it. It definitely yes. made made a lot of news. But and then Jerry Falwell from uh, Thomas Road Baptist Church and uh, president of Liberty University, he spoke. Uh, he and Tony Perkins actually both spoke uh, tonight as we record this on Thursday, and so there definitely some involvement of some Southern Baptists, and then obviously. A number of us just watching and kind of tracking what is going on and processing it in a lot of different ways. So, but we wanted to look more instead of just breaking down all the things that happen in the speeches. There are plenty of people out there to do that. We wanted to actually look at the platform, um, which is very interesting. The news coming out about this because, as, as you mentioned, uh, most people are saying it is uh, perhaps the most conservative platform uh, in the history of the RNC. Uh, so we wanted to just look through it, think through some of the things that might jump out uh, that are in, of interest to you and me and maybe to some of our listeners. We will provide a link to the entire platform. We do encourage you to read that because uh, one of the things we should all be doing is educating ourselves about these issues and what leaders are saying on the behalf of uh, members of a political party. So we want you to 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 be aware of that, but we kind of honed in on a few things that jumped out to us. Yeah, and many of these are issues that are related to news stories that we have covered on the program. Yes. Uh, and starting off with the banning of the RU486 uh, abortion pill, uh, it's called Mifeprex is the the official name of it, uh, but they call for the the discontinuation of, of FDA pr approval for RU486. Yeah, that's on uh, page 38 of the platform. Uh, just says it threatens women's health, as does the uh, endorsement of over-the-counter sales of powerful contraceptives without a physician's recommendation. So just calls it right out. 
Yeah. Uh, very strong statement about that one particular uh, pill. And this pill and pills like it were kind of at the genesis of the Little Sisters of the Poor case. Yes. Uh, covered under Obamacare, the, the abortifacients that yes. uh, was covered in Obamacare. Uh, this would be a prime example of that. So um, yes. they're calling for the banning of RU486, also known as Mifeprex. Uh, the yes. second point uh, that it, another one that is really we've talked about a lot is the upholding of traditional marriage as the national standard. So basically saying doing away with, yeah. you know, and, and reversing the Supreme Court Obergefell decision. Right. They come right out and say it. So is, it isn't just saying uh, we, you know, accept this and now here's what we need to do about it. It says we do not accept the Supreme Court's redefinition of marriage and we urge its reversal, whether through judicial reconsideration or a constitutional amendment returning control over marriage to the state. So uh, nothing confusing about that. All right. Next point is religious liberty and the freedom of conscience. That's another one we talk about, it seems like, all the time. Uh, and this is one that is really that we're seeing right now playing out in California uh, with the, the colleges, universities, and, you know, potentially, if that, mm -hmm. that uh, bill passes the legislature in California, potentially not being able to uh, hire and admit uh, students and hire faculty according to their the conscience and their beliefs. Right, right. Uh, and that, that's there are several comments. We just pulled out different sentences. There's uh, some things on page 11. We pledge to defend the religious beliefs and rights of conscience of all Americans and to safeguard religious institutions against government control. And they also go ahead to endorse the First Amendment Defense Act. And so that's legislation right now in the House and Senate. Uh, so very, very clear on that. Um, interesting one uh, that uh, has kind of got my attention was there's several spots where Russia is mentioned. Yeah, and this is important because of last week's episode and the, the new laws in Russia uh, prohibiting yes. evangelism outside of the church. Yes, uh, that already kind of demonstrating some things we need to be concerned about, uh, about Russia. I'm intrigued by this just because there are some pieces of this that make me ask questions about some things that the candidate has, has said uh, in, in an interview with New York Times and uh, stuff about positions with respect to Russia. Uh, but in the platform itself, so as you, as you read maybe interviews, in the platform itself it says we support maintaining and, if warranted, increasing sanctions together with our allies against Russia unless and until Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity are fully restored. That's on page 42. Um, on page 49, it talks about uh, that we affirm our respect for the people of Russia, um, but it says, it, ha it says we have a, a problem. It says the continuing erosion of personal liberty and fundamental rights under the current officials in the Kremlin, repressive at home and reckless abroad, their policies imperil the nations which regain their self-determination upon the collapse of the Soviet Union. We will meet the return of Russian belligerents with the same resolve that led to the collapse of the Soviet Union. That is some strong language. Very strong language. So and there's been discussion about Russia because in an interview uh, with the New York Times, uh, the, the nominee seemed to maybe not have quite a strong language. Uh, yeah. For yeah. I don't know if he read page 49. <laughs> the platform. Yeah, I'm not sure, um, but it, uh, it it did 
it, it's just it was just interesting. So I, I kind of noticed that, and I think it's important for us to know what the actual you know GOP platform said, and it did it did speak very very strongly about this. So yeah, and that leads us to uh, a human life amendment that they are pushing in here, and it, this is really involving. Uh, Planned Parenthood, which you talked a lot about, uh, the videos last year and all the uh, government funding of Planned Parenthood, as well as uh, the the old Clinton mantra of safe, legal, and rare abortion uh, that yes. is basically eroded to just legal. Yes. Uh, yeah, and we noticed that that disappeared from the Democratic platform uh, four years ago, I think, was when so. safe, legal, and rare came out. And uh, obviously, we'll wait and see what their platform is next week. But I think we have we can be pretty certain that it's going to not be in there. And so they speak very clearly and just come right out and say Democratic Party is extreme on abortion. And so uh, just no holds barred on this. And in that same respect, they actually call for a, a federal ban on sex selective abortion. And not just that, but also abortions based on disabilities, discrimination in its most lethal form. Yeah, and you hear this uh, a lot with Down syndrome, that, that seems yes. to be the leading uh, driver of disability-related abortions. Yes, um, and they're, they're calling on Congress to actually ban those um, and I, I would I would assume that all moms uh, like me had that moment where you're it, the the doctor talks to you about any kind of um, testing and and you it's it's pretty clear that what's being thrown out there is that you might want to know uh, because yeah. of this and it's it's and that's such a tough moment uh, as a mom where you just want to basically scream at the top of your lungs. No, absolutely not. Uh, but there, this is this is a statement that comes right out and says, we call on Congress to ban that completely. Uh, so very, very clear there. Uh, now we move on to a very interesting one. It's been talked about a lot. It showed up in the candidate's speech tonight, the Johnson Amendment. This, this is something that goes all the way back to Lyndon Johnson, and it is the issue of tax-exempt status for churches and religious institutions that, but then uh, speech being limited, political speech being limited for these tax-exempt uh, institutions. We're, we're going to include, in, in addition to the platform, a link to a, a Time Magazine article that sort of explained the history of that amendment. Um, and I, I was kind of surprised to see this pop in there. Never, n- never really expected this, uh, even in all of our conversations. Now I know Alliance Defending Freedom has, uh, I, I guess maybe had some, some things uh, or some thoughts about this. So some people have been doing work on it, but. Yeah. Well, this made more sense whenever I heard Jerry Falwell Jr. speak tonight because he specifically advocated for this and, and knowing his ties with the Trump campaign, with the platform and his access to the platform committee, it did not surprise me whenever I saw him speak why it right. was included. This is, uh, you could almost call this the Jerry Falwell Jr. inclusion piece of the platform. And yeah, and we don't have any, uh, you know, proof or any connections, but it seemed, it, it seemed like this is probably something that's very important uh, to him. Also, as you already referred to the California situation, I mean, it talks about government officials threatening uh, religious colleges and universities uh, seeking to control their personnel decisions. They're trying to control curriculum and um, chapel requirements, things like that. Yeah, well, as a president of a religious institution, 
I'm sure that Dr. Falwell looks at California and says, all right, it's California today. This could right. be Virginia tomorrow. Right. Uh, so they they just come right out right out on page eleven and say you know Republicans believe the federal government specifically the IRS is constitutionally prohibited from policing or censoring speech based on religious convictions or beliefs and therefore we urge the repeal of the Johnson Amendment so it came right out uh, with it uh, so w- uh, as I said we'll also include a link to an article that gives some history in case you weren't really familiar of that particular amendment even if you knew some of the the um the laws about that and that moves us to uh you know one of the centerpieces of the trump campaign and that is the wall on the southern border of the united states uh, protecting borders ending the basically opposite of open borders i think that is being uh, somewhat espoused by the clinton campaign we'll see the final language in that next week have to compare the two uh next week we have to check this out uh but uh the wall another staple part of the speech tonight amy were they chanting build that wall i think at one point i think at one point i heard that um so you know this really goes to the areas on uh not only drugs and terrorism and everything that that has been talked about and human trafficking that that happens maybe on the, the southern border of the united states but it really talks about immigration law and immigration needs and reforms uh that that donald trump and the republican party are now kind of advocating for yeah, so one, the sentence that I, I jumped out at me is it will cover the entirety of the southern border. It must be thing. sufficient to stop both vehicular and pedestrian traffic. Yeah, so, so they, they, they spelled it out, went yes. all the way. And, yeah. and I just, the point with this, and I understand the people who are pro-wall, for lack of better terms, but the cost, it just... I don't know where you get the money for this. That's the thing that just keeps bothering me. About um, it. I think he said Mexico is going to pay for yeah, it. I don't think they're going to pay for it either. <laughs> Moving on. Human trafficking. Yes. A very strong statement against that. We will use the full force of the law um, against those uh, who engage. And they, they list all, all the different categories within human trafficking and increasing diplomatic efforts, accountability for foreign governments to prosecute uh, traffickers. So strong statement. That's on page 53 of the platform. Um, very good to see that just to be a continued uh, discussion in there. And finally, diplomatic advocacy for religious freedom. Yeah, so kind of goes with with uh, other, other things we've talked about, but this is talking about religious freedom abroad. So really returning advocacy is how they say it, returning the advocacy of religious liberty to a central place in diplomacy. Um, so they, they really just want to elevate that to a place that they think it hasn't been. Well, and this is something that, that is in the news this week with the Coptic Christians in Egypt. We saw a story from Baptist Press on Friday. Uh, the Coptic Christians in Egypt are the largest minority uh, religious group in Egypt and being persecuted. And this would be an example of a reason to have diplomatic advocacy for right. them overseas. Right. Yep. Now, those are kind of our 10 points of interest that jumps out, jumped out uh, because they just naturally did. I did do some digging around on some of the issues that we focused on in St. Louis and that we even made statements through our resolutions that certain issues were important to us just to ask the question, are these things in there? Um, so... One thing uh, that I kind of looked 
look through is uh, the issue of racial reconciliation or what to do about uh, racial tension. And I, I wouldn't say there was a strong, uh, tangible addressing of it. There were some statements, you know, saying we must continue to foster solutions to America's difficult challenges when it comes to race relations. Uh, today, uh, we encourage equality for all citizens and access to the American dream. Um, talked a little bit about uh, correctional institutions and, you know, kind of kind of dealing with that. But, but it I talked mean, I more about the humanitarianism and humanism in the correctional institutions rather than re- reforming the correctional facility, right. you know, right. in correctional institutions it, it, in the yeah. United States. Yeah, I was dealing with cruel treatment, treatment things yeah. like that, or treatment by other inmates. But it, it was addressing some of them being... Uh, having some racial tensions within the prisons. So there was just some mentions here and there. I wouldn't say it was strongly addressed uh, whatsoever. All right. Also, Amy, what about the refugee crisis? We talked a lot about that at SBC. Caught that in maybe a couple of places. Uh, Most of the discussion in this platform about the refugee crisis really had to do with tightening security. Yeah, it wasn't really about bringing in refugees. It's not letting in refugees who could be a potential terrorist threat. Right. So uh, I wouldn't say uh, there, I I would just say that the focus was different than a lot of what our resolution really tried to address. Not really humanitarian aid based, but more security based. Security based. So that was kind of the focus of that. Um, Israel, that's a resolution that we passed. And there was mention about that. Um, talks about mutual strategic interests, um, sharing our values, and that we absolutely would advance policies reflecting Americans' strong desire for a relationship with Israel. So I think that kind of squares up with the resolution that Southern Baptists passed. Amy, there was one sentence, though, in the Israel, very strong words, yes. the, the final sentence, and you talk about this on page 47. We recognize Jerusalem as the eternal and indivisible capital of the Jewish state and call for the American embassy to be moved there in fulfillment of U.S. law. Yeah, there's no question about that statement. (laughs) (laughs) Quite strong, quite clear, Very quite direct. Yes. Uh, So, and then finally, another thing that we didn't really spend much time talking about because we'd run out of time in the Resolutions Committee report, but we did pass a resolution on women and the draft, and this platform does address that. It says we support the all-volunteer force and oppose unnecessary policy changes, including compulsory national service and selective service registration of women for a possible future draft. So it is against having women in the draft. Correct. If I remember correctly, when this first came up in the debate that followed, all most of the candidates except for, I think, Ted Cruz yeah. was the only one that, that and you said anything against it. Uh, I believe right. I remember Marco Rubio. I remember Chris Christie. I remember Jeb Bush. And I believe Donald Trump even spoke to it. I don't know if he addressed the question or not. Yeah. And, and, and one thing, I kind of gave everybody a pass on that. I just want to say because I, I wasn't really expecting uh, women in the draft wasn't even on my radar screen. And I know they were very busy on the campaign trail. I kind of got the impression when a lot of them got that question that it hadn't been on their radar screen either, and they were even processing it in just women in the military. Um, Ted Cruz, I remember, seemed to get it, you know, very quickly and know what what that reference was. I think, you know, some of them 
once the the issue was you know brief they they had very busy schedules so i understand that but i i'm not surprised to that this would be the position of the republican party um but it is in there so that that's something that's important to us it's yeah, because, in the platform yeah and like you said it would be not a surprise that this would be the position because most of the people that we know and that are political based are republican leaning for the most part right. and, and conservative evangelicals that was the the there was like an outcry over this issue right like what do you mean how can you possibly be for women being in the draft yes those were sort of the four issues that we hadn't hit in the points of interest that maybe we did focus on it's important for us to go back and say what have we said are our priorities and to go look for that so at least we have an idea now we can't you know get have everything perfect but at least we have an idea of how our uh, how our values shore up with the values of this group that's putting something forward. Um, so very interesting. We'll look next week and see what the Democratic Party platform says as well uh, and really uh, kind of examine how it matches up with our views. Yeah, and I wonder if there will be any overlap in any of these issues we brought up. Uh, be fascinating to see if there is or if yeah. there's not. So. Yeah. All right, before we get on to the next part of the show, I do want to thank our sponsor, the Southeastern Seminary Ghost Certificates, for more information about those ghost certificates and how uh, you can continue your education with Southeastern Seminary. Visit sebts.edu slash ghost certificates. And once again, we want to remind you about the data point, our weekly statistical analysis email that we've got going out every Tuesday. Sign up for that at sbcthisweek.com over there in the sidebar or visit sbcthisweek.com slash data point and uh, all one word there. And you can get that every Tuesday delivered to your inbox. Find out a little bit more about the SBC from a statistical point of view. That's going to move us to this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. Okay, I decided we needed to keep a theme. I'm fudging a little bit because it was kind of part last week, part this week. It was July 14th through the 17th, so kind of moving into this week just barely, but it's fun anyway. Um, taking us back to the Republican National Convention of 1980, which um, I'm sure... Yes, yeah, and that was a, a, a big one and an important one uh, to to a lot of people. Uh, but there was some Southern Baptist participation in it. A couple of things I found. Uh, one was that that was the last convention where the uh, nomination for vice president was open. Uh, so it wasn't just a choice of a running mate and then that's it, and it's a kind of by acclamation. And so there so they was some, actually like elected, like had people to elect who the right. running mate would be. He announced his choice of a running mate. And this there was already a, a kind of a backroom. There was a possibility of Gerald Ford actually being the nominee, g given some consideration. And I've read about this in some biographies and that things been at odd. the time. Yeah. So Reagan had done this, had announced uh, instead of, it being another other time, it was announced from the podium of the convention itself, uh, and there were some delegates that were were frustrated. They they resented George Bush uh, for 
his position on things for uh, because he had been in the race and he had actually beaten Reagan in the Iowa caucus and things like that. So they named some some people and one of them was a Southern Baptist, Senator Jesse Helms from North Carolina. Uh, now he was um, a, a member of a church here in Raleigh, Hayes Barton Baptist Church, uh, which is probably not going to be familiar to a lot of people. It's it, it was unless uh, you're in the CBF. Right. At this time, it's it's not a Southern Baptist church, but he was an ultra conservative uh, and a, particularly a major part of the moral majority, the religious rights of Jesse Holmes was very known for that. But he was nominated for vice president of the United States uh, from the floor and uh, actually came in second, but way behind. So uh, when they did the the vote, George H.W. Bush got like 93%, and Jesse Holmes uh, got you know 2.75%. So it wasn't a lot, but it was definitely part of kind of an interesting open nomination on the floor. So that was kind of some excitement. The other thing that was interesting is uh, Southern Baptists actually went and had a booth that they sponsored at the Republican National Convention. What did our booth say, Amy? Well, they handed out, first of all, I'll just tell you, they handed out 6,000 pieces of literature, and they had uh, the literature, and then the there were buttons on the, uh, uh, there were buttons that they handed out to people that said, ask me about the GOP. But then when people would ask, it was not grand old party, it was gospel of peace. And uh, so it was kind of a, an opportunity for uh, sharing the gospel. So uh, they tried to be non-political. They had they gave out lists of materials about Southern Baptist uh, concerns like world hunger, race relations, ecology, things like that. Uh, they did say in this Baptist Press uh, article that I, I've, I've shared a link for that they that there was a 23-year-old man who committed to Christ after talking with a summer missionary there in Detroit. But vi- just very, very interesting. So uh, a consultant on special projects for the Home Mission Board had uh kind of helped out with that and they did that at some other events as well so very interesting we had a southern baptist presence um and the last time that an open vice presidential uh thing uh, an open vice presidential vote was happening and a southern baptist was part of that so it all happened this week in sbc history yeah just looking at a couple of things from helms senate career he was a senator for the the great state of north carolina uh, yes. He introduced uh, on his first day in term, in uh, his second term, the first day of his second term, January 3rd, 1979, introduced a constitutional amendment outlawing abortion. Oh, he was, he, everybody knew where he stood. He was strong on all of his uh, positions. He also introduced an amendment uh, allowing voluntary prayer in school. It mm-hmm. made it through the Senate, but died in House committee. Jesse Holmes is, in, is a very interesting story, and there are probably, I mean, there are historians out there that know a whole lot more than I do about him. And there are some some challenges, some difficult things, uh, particularly sort of where he stood on some civil rights issues and, and things like that. So it's not all uh, a perfect story, uh, but it, it, it he had quite the career. Yes, he did. He served in the Senate until 2003. And uh, did not seek re-election in 2002. And Elizabeth Dole 
was his successor in his seat there in North Carolina. So uh, kind of a neat connection there. Uh, saw her husband, Bob Dole, uh, this week at the RNC. And yes, I met him when I was in college. He came uh, to uh, support a candidate, and uh, they had several of us that got to volunteer. You know, and, and today, the day we're dropping this podcast, and now the day we're recording this podcast because of uh, it's so late, is Bob Dole's 93rd birthday. That's crazy. So. Happy birthday, Bob Dole. You yes. didn't expect that on SBC this week. No. All right, that's going to move us on to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is? I'm going to do a book in keeping with the theme. It is uh, called Destiny of the Republic. It's a couple of years old. Uh, the subtitle is A Tale of Madness, Medicine, and the Murder of a President. This was my summer reading a couple of years ago. I actually got it from a recommendation by Trevin Wax. And it's... It's really the full story of um, James Garfield, who was uh, one of our presidents who was assassinated, and that's kind of a fascinating story in and of itself. Uh, but I thought about it today because we think that this was kind of a crazy convention, uh, but the convention, the Republican National Convention of 1880 was absolutely nuts. They went into it. Uh, not really knowing there was a lot of division, not knowing who was going to come out as their nominee. And James Garfield actually did not go there intending to come out as the nominee at all. He was going to stand up and support someone else. And he emerged after 36 ballots. Goodness um, gracious. In that convention. Yes. So 36? Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty nuts. It's too much to go into here, all the drama that happened in that, but it's covered in one of the early chapters, but then it moves on to talking a little bit about his administration and then um the uh he was he was shot in a, a train station, a really crazy situation, and then he lived for a few months and so the kind of second half of the book is just about the medical community working to take care of him and all of the uh, turmoil within that process. Also, um, Alexander Graham Bell was in the process of inventing a metal detector at the time. And so he kept like trying to in trying to perfect it so that they could try to find the bullet. And uh, this was also during the time of some medical debate over germ theory. So he had a lot of doctors that didn't think that germs were uh, a problem. So uh, they weren't really handling things in the most sanitary way either. So very dramatic story and just interesting. So if you're into presidential history, or even if you're not, but you're just kind of tracking what's going on and uh, you, you're in, we're all in this kind of theme, it's it's an unbelievable book. It's one of my favorite books in my uh, presidential um, and first ladies in our, our presidential and first lady biographies library. Yeah, that, was, so. that was all going on without the 25th Amendment. What happened? I mean, he wasn't still running the country after being shot for months on end, was he? You know, it's been two years since I read. I don't know at what point Chester Arthur, who was the vice president, uh, kind of stepped in. It was a really... It, it's kind of a sad because there, there are points at it where you realize he really could have survived if certain mistakes had not been made but they just it was just a different time and and um kind of a kind of a wild situation that's why you stay up on your vaccines ladies and gentlemen <laughs> yes very interesting piece too in that that um abraham lincoln's son was actually in the train station uh when the shooting happened wow. and then i believe he was in the 
room or in the building whenever, uh, maybe not right there, but he was in the building whenever William McKinley was shot. And so he, that Dude, actually... keep me away from him. Yeah, and, and I think he actually never went anywhere where there was a president after that because that was kind of a very difficult thing for him to process as well. Uh, but there's a lot of interesting and sad stuff in this story, but you'll read it and think there's just, uh, you, you couldn't make this up. Um, but I thought a lot about that book when we were dealing with the kind of twists and turns of the convention this week, because as much as we want to think nothing like this has ever happened before, the truth is it has, and in some cases it's been worse. So uh, learn about the uh, Republican National Convention of 1880, and if you want to go even further into the story of James Garfield, check this out. All right. Well, thanks, Amy, for that. I'm going to call an audible on my resource of the week. Uh, I mentioned I was at a concert, uh, well, I guess two nights ago now, uh, and uh, Lauren Daigle here in Nashville and another band, but uh, Lauren Daigle really stole the show, really enjoyed her. Uh, I, I'm not sure we've talked about her on the podcast before, Amy, so I'm going to make her album, How Can It Be, uh, my resource of the week. She did five or six tracks from that. I could have used like more Lauren Daigle the other night at the concert, honestly. Um, but it was just fantastic. So she's amazing, great voice, really, really just easy to listen to. And I, I recommend How Can It Be by Lauren Daigle. That's going to be my resource of the week. Amy, uh, next week you mentioned Democratic National Convention in Philadelphia. Uh, we'll be yes. kind of tuning into that, checking that out. I'm not sure if I'll be able to watch as much of the DNC as I did of the RNC because I've got some some more uh, family stuff going on next week. So uh, mm -hmm. may not be able to catch as much of it as you. So you'll have to help me out with that next week. Absolutely. Uh, I, I geek out over this stuff every four years. So uh, I'll be tuning in. What I'm really enjoying about the RNC, I'm watching uh, while we've been recording C-SPAN's on still in my house and watching people haul out their state name, you know, like the, the signs or whatever that were on the, for the delegates to sit on the floor. People like right. this dude was just carrying out the California sign a minute ago, just walking out the building with it. I'm like, well, it's, they, they it's let like you just souvenir. walk out. Of, I guess you can just walk out with those things. Yeah. I, I'm fascinated by the costumes. Yes, I saw some people with some, um, basically a suit made out of an American flag yesterday. Right, right. Um, I've seen hats, and there was a great picture somebody tweeted a couple of days ago of a lady cutting her eyes at, at another lady and the, the outfit she was wearing. Uh, so yes, it, it's a uh, it's different world out there sometimes. Most definitely. All right. Well, we will uh, keep an eye on the DNC and everything else that's going on in the SBC next week and report back to you. And uh, we'll cover that just like we did the RNC this past week. Uh, once again, congratulations to Denny Burke on his uh, appointment as the president of the CBMW, our top story this week. And uh, thanks again for joining us this week. We'll talk to you next week. See you next week. See you next week.